America, my name is I'm Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Friday about four o'clock to talk about issues that might affect the quality of your life. And uh, I mean, I could go a, different f a few different ways. Here's uh, there are a few things you'll never hear Barack Obama say. Barack Obama will never say there's no black person in the United States who's made it until we've all made it. You'll never hear Barack Obama say that. You'll hear Barack Obama say, I've made it. You can too. Well, I've made it. Um, let me help you, maybe. But you'll never say, you'll never hear him say, I haven't made it until we've all made it. Because there is no common, um, there is no common cause between, he doesn't understand them to be a, like his fate tied with black people. His fate is tied with himself. And but black people, anybody who's in the revolutionary struggle, anybody who knows what I know, and I say this knowing that, um, you know, Fred Hampton was was assassinated today by your U.S. government, our U.S. government, by us, since we're the government of the people and by the people. He was, um, nobody, we haven't made it until we all made it, and and any black person who doesn't understand that isn't really a serious ally. So Barack Hussein Obama, until those words come out of uh, his mouth, I haven't made it until we all made it, then he's not serious. And this is important because we have a lot of people um, of color who do not have a working class sensibility, who, do, who are, do not come from slaves, do not care about slaves, who low-key think they're better than slaves, or slaves might be a charity product, but do not have their justice and their identity tied with the freedom and empowerment of Amer the American slave caste in the United States. And not only black people aren't even a slave caste anymore, we're just disposable. Black men are disposable. The United States has about 20 million black men and needs about 500,000. The rest of them are just extra. That's why you can just put them in jail. Or just otherwise disappear them. Because there's no place in civil society for them. We haven't carved out a place for civil society for them. Um, we don't need them. They're just extra. Uh, and we'd rather just them like disappeared for our objective metrics, right? They, we, they exist and WB Du Bois knew this, like they exist as a problem. You are now a problem. Since you're not officially a slave anymore, you are a problem. And WB Du Bois also knew this. They know that they're a problem. They're both aware of themselves as a problem and aware of themselves as American. So they have this double consciousness of, of being an American and knowing as an American that black people are a problem. And as black people, um, uh, they, uh, like, they understand themselves as problem. So there's a way in which there's a problem for themselves. But, you know, Du Bois talks about this, uh, this double consciousness in the souls of black folk. And, you know, it's a little book that a lot of you guys should read and, and, and um, just know that there are a lot of black people in these United States who do not, who do not have that double consciousness. They have that consciousness tied with um, uh, Americans who think that other black people are the problem, but they made it, right? And I'll tell you right now, you haven't made it until we've all made it. And, and people who tell you anything different are gonna be a whole problem for a whole problem for freedom. And one of those people is going to be Kamala Harris, right? So in the United States, we have a problem because we don't understand caste. 
we don't understand caste. We think that all brown people are black. No, being black in the United States means something different. Being black in the United States with a country full of white people means something different because it means you were here, you were brought here to be a tool for somebody else's aspirations. You were brought here as an object. You're like a, a tool, a hammer that's become flesh. And nobody wants to take orders from a hammer. They want the hammer to hammer and then shut up. And then when a hammer breaks, they want to just throw it out and get a new one. Uh, <laughs> so that is not the case, for, exa for example, Brahmins in India. Right? There are no proper black Brahmins because to be a Brahmin is to be a fully realized subject for whom other people honestly are objects. Right? And that's just not, that doesn't happen at the black community level. Right? Brahmins is the highest caste in India. And, you know, I was talking to a Dalit, which is a lowest caste, so it's, a, it's a historical Dalit. They'll tell you that, well, okay, so the Brahmins, you talk to uh, an Indian Brahmin, they'll be like, well, you know, caste is very complicated. We have to uh, go into the nuances of it, and we kind of dismantle the system. You talk to a Dalit, and they'll be like, this stuff is exactly what it appears to be. <laughs> Black people, like, it's exactly what you think it is. And the problem is, as Americans, most of my friends are Brahmin. I have a ton of Indian friends. I went to Berkeley. ton of Indian friends at Berkeley. Most of them are Brahmin are from the top two class, uh, top two castes, because those are the people who make it in America. All of the Indian people you see on television, 90% of your media personalities in somewhere in media that you know of um, are Brahmin. Minuscule percent of the population in India and is characterized by ruling over functionally uh, entire castes and like having the entire country be subordinate to their wishes, the, the, the provision for their needs. Those are the people you meet in, um, in America. So like, that's like, it's a horrible sample of people. So even if, even if your Indian friends, the South Asian friends might be, you know, good people, just know that they come from a stock that has been very comfortable and have acculturated habits of treating other brown people like disposable trash. And people say like, well, don't, don't think of that. Immigrants come here uh, saying that black people are disposable. No, they do come here wanting to be American. And part of being American is signing on or co-signing the idea that black people are disposable. And they don't have a problem with that. <laughs> So it's not that they come here anti-black, but once, I, once they're told by white people that um, to be an American means to treat black people like garbage, and if you tie your fate to black people, you're tying to an, a losing team, nobody comes halfway across the world to assimilate into a losing team, right? So... They do not say, I do not make it as an immigrant, as a Brahmin immigrant, until all black people in the United States are free or empowered. No, 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 no. So even you, have the, you, have the, you can have the best people, best Indian immigrants in the world. They come from habits for thousands of years, for a long time, 
have been habituated into just understanding that it's okay to step on other people um, and that those habits don't die hard and they're going to be ingrained in every aspect of their life. Right? So you can have the most justice-minded justice Brahmin and they're just not going to put up that much of a fight in the, uh, like in the form of uh, uh, anti-black degradation. Because like they're used to brown people being degraded. Right? So I'll talk a little bit more about what all this means after the opening. So this illusion that all skin folk are kinfolk uh, um, is, is ridiculous, especially in a world where you have uh, people of color who are brown who got here by stepping on other brown people. And like not just themselves individually stepping, like their entire community is distinguished by their ability to step on other brown people so they come here and it's not really that much of a leap for a nikki haley or <laughs> i don't know what cast bobby jindal came from like i but it's not really that much of a leap to just say like well you know that's just how societies are ordered unfortunate i'll do my little charity work but i'm not here to break up cast if i were here to break up cast i would have stayed in india and broken up that cast so pretty much like you have brown aristocracy who are used to stepping on brown people. There's another reason why it's also good to get people from the islands um, because also they're used to black people in power being corrupt, right? So they're, they're, we should just import a lot of like Dalits um, or like revolutionaries. We just should just like import a lot of revolutionaries because revolutionaries aren't going to be really impressed with brown people in power because they're used in from like the islands because they're going to be used to brown corrupt people like so a real revolutionary is going to smell out corruption whether it's black white or yellow but someone who doesn't quite get the revolutionary struggle isn't going is going to look at is going to look at kamala harris and think she's in it for us she spent her whole life putting black people in jail like you could do a lot of things with a law degree she did the one a lot of things like almost all of the things she did the one that included putting black people in jail and like i'm one of those people i'm already suspicious of uh, the revolutionary sensibilities of black sorority members and fraternity members but if if that's your claim to blackness i just i don't know what to say but i i look man i i uh you come from people who are used to ruling over people. And then you came and you spent your entire adult life putting black people in jail. When like there are options, like I could have gotten a law degree. Like I could have, like there are a lot of things you can do with a law degree. 
that don't include making a whole job out of putting black people in jail. Um, so just the idea that all skin folks and Barack Obama's another one. There are a lot of things you can do. I mean, his, first of all, his dad came here from Kenya. Like by the time you're getting out of Kenya, you're already like, I said, my dad's from Ghana. He was not poor in Ghana. Right, he was already elite in Ghana. My mom's from South Carolina, just regular descendant of slaves. My dad's from Ghana. He was not poor in Ghana. Like, I don't, I don't. This illusion that Barack Obama was like us. Like, no, he was already the elite of Kenya. Um, and to be an elite of Kenya, you've had to have like treated other Kenyans or gotten used to the notion that other Kenyans should be like you know looked down upon. Um, and like, well, that's just kind of how it is. It's not like how white Southerners treat black people. Well, you know, I don't know. I got what I got, and it's just unfortunate for him. It sucks to be them. That's like elite Africans to their people at home. And then they come here. You think they're in common cause with us? Uh, I, just, I, I think it's, it's naive to assume that Barack Obama considers his fate tied with yours, Negro. Like, that's, that's not the case. His job, he thinks his fate is tied with, like, his wagging his finger at you. Not his fate like, I do not. My life is a failure if black people in the United States are free, are not made free and whole. That is, that's not a sensibility that, that, that Barack Obama shares. Now, I'll be honest. My life, Irene Ose Frimpong's life, will not be made whole until black people in this country are made whole. And if you want to, you know, help me in this endeavor, uh, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars. Because depending on who you talk to, trash and Barack Obama is not exactly making me down white employable. Um, and because I'm, <laughs> yeah, for a few reasons. But Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, these people do not understand. They are not conscious of their fate as tied with yours. And that's fine for what it is, but it's not much. It's not much because a real revolutionary sensibility, and I say revolutionary a lot because Fred Hampton uh, was murdered today. And I'll be honest, that guy is on my mind. I actually did a, uh, let me just do a little, I'm going to give you a little, Fred, Fred, a little bit of Chairman Fred. Um, because I, I put together some clips from my class. Because he's twenty, he was twenty when he was saying these things, and you know what? I'm going to dedicate the whole next show to Fred. That's it. I'm going to dedicate the whole next show to Fred. And where am I? Bob and Weave find me in the picture. Um. I'm going to dedicate the whole next show to Fred because I think he deserves a whole, a whole show just to remember Fred Hampton. But I was thinking I would have done it today because today is the anniversary of his uh, assassination. But um, I did dedicate a lot of my class to Fred. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just play this. I hate to give you the... 
care what you do. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. Do anything they want to do. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. Do anything they want to do. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. So, uh, Fred Hammond was the deputy chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party. He was assassinated when he was 21 years old. He was saying that when he was 20. He was also saying a lot of other things. I am. Next show, it's going to be all Fred Hampton clips all the time, and I'm just going to talk you through them, and that'll be very important. But um, what you have to understand is that not all black people have that sensibility. There is no reason to believe that either the Obamas or Kamala Harris or your black elected official actually feels like they will not be made whole until the entire black community is made whole. And that's a standard we need. That's a standard we need from every American politician. This American politician is not going to sleep well at night until black people are made whole. That's a standard we should have. And if you find someone who's sleeping a little bit too comfortably, um, without regard to whether black people are made whole, that's not, that's not the politician we have. That's not the politician we need. Uh, yeah. So that's the standard we should have. Unless, the po- unless, unless black people are made whole, you don't sleep at night. We need like, that sensibility of John Brown. Um, that's just generally diffused among among the American electorate. And that is not the sensibility you get from Brahmins. Right? You get the same charity sensibility you get from regular white people. About like, ooh, it's unfortunate to be black. Hey, I'll break you off of something and for the little people. But it's not like they didn't come halfway across the, the world to share power with the underclass. Right? That's just, not, that's just not where they drive their identity, derive their identity. And that's going to be a problem for anyone who actually cares about black liberation and actually the soul of the nation. Right? So if you care about the soul of the nation, you're not going to sleep until black people are made whole. And not just one black person and something nice has happened, but the entire community. Because real success and real wealth and real freedom comes at the community level. It's not escaping, getting out. It's actually like being able to walk outside and have the entire community know and know that the entire community is stable and whole and secured and everyone's got a good job or a good steady source of income and, you know, a little piece of property or whatever and their, their whole dignity. Their whole dignity. Because when you get your whole dignity, it turns out you get your whole family and your whole lot of other things. So until black people are made whole in every sense of the, the word, like we shouldn't be that comfortable and we shouldn't allow other black people to be that comfortable. This isn't, yeah, this isn't particularly, this shouldn't be too particularly shopping. Yeah, it shouldn't be that high of a bar. It's only foreign because we've just accepted the fact of 85% black disposability. So now it turns into like, well, you make it if you're part of the 15%. Um, and that's the best you should 
That's uh, that's the best you should hope for for your life. Not to be around 85% success who's black, but to make it into the top 15 or top 10% of black people. And if you're in the top 10, 15% of, of black people, you're probably surrounded by white people. Because um, you want clean water and you want schools that work and internet that works. Uh, yeah. All right, so what does, what does this all mean? Well, I want to get, I want you to understand that all skin folk are not kin folk. And even, and like, yeah, and, and they don't have their, their, their fate tied to yours. And their success is not necessarily your success because they don't understand self-consciously their success tied to your success. And anyone who doesn't understand self-consciously their success tied to your success isn't really on your team. In fact, they will use you for themselves because there's no illusion of a shared fate. Black, Barack Obama used black people um, for his own come up. Depending on who you talk to, John Lewis did the same thing. You know, I, you know, I, Bill Clinton said of John Lewis, well, good thing we got John Lewis. We almost got Stokely Carmichael. Because John Lewis was one of those guys who would gather up the whole civil rights movement, put it in himself, and then sell it to black people for the low, low price of a monument, an icon status. So he would take the whole civil rights movement, put it in himself, and then sell it. We know we have names for people who sell themselves. Uh, and then sell it to white liberals for the low, low price of a memorial to him. And that is unfortunate. Um, that is unfortunate. So the narrative of escape is a bad narrative. The narrative of the exceptional Negro, success does not look like holding up exceptional Negroes. Success looks like random black people doing great. You shouldn't have to be exceptional in order to succeed. You shouldn't have to be a role model. You should just have to be regular. You got, you got a bunch of C's, ended up doing great, surrounded by other people who got a bunch of C's who ended up doing great. That's, that's that, like, if, if we're going to be free in a democracy, that's what it means. So, to be surrounded by stable people um, who have all of their rights, and um, and and you know can can have the means to like take care of all of their responsibilities, and in civil society and in the family and politically, and you can hit them up for money. When you can hit regular black people up for money, the way you can hit regular white people up for money, not exceptional white people, not but regular black people, you can hit them up for money. Like I'm doing every. 515 uh, every Friday, like I said, if you want me to keep saying stuff like I'm saying, you need to kick down five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month. I like the monthlies because that way I can budget. Um, you can go to thefunkyacademic.com. And that's how you know that America's been made whole. Right? And anybody anybody who doesn't understand that is just trying to confuse you. And look, a lot of people have the right sensibilities, the right opinions about what justice looks like but they don't have the right arguments for it. So if you don't have the right opinions, but you don't have the right arguments, you're going to get easily dissuaded. You're going to, you have, there's nothing to, to keep you in the right opinions. You're going to get into the room with money 
and you're going to be easily flattered or easily into um, getting the wrong opinions, right? So it's important that the quality of political education um, that I deliver actually gets delivered. So send this email to your friends or this video to your friends and post it on your social media because I'm giving you the arguments. And without the arguments, even if you have the right opinions, you're going to be easily taken down as soon as you get flattered with money or shine. But if you have the argument, you might have some sort of standing. And you might be trustworthy when, um, you know, I'm not in the room or when other black people aren't in the room. When you're actually in a room full of bougie black people. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend. I got a buddy who's a therapist. And she's like, you know what? The worst, my worst clients are bougie black women. And, you know, people are going to say, like, oh, that's misogynist. I'm like, look, she just said that. That's what she said. She said, my worst clients are bougie black women. It's like they've been hopped up on too many Shonda Rhyme shows. They don't know, like, what to expect on life. And they, and they, and they, get, they have the wrong entitlement in the wrong way. And, um, it's, and that's why they're kind of alone or depressed. Hopped up on too many Shonda Rhyme shows. That, those are her words. And uh, I think I might have said hopped up. But she did say, she did say Shonda Rhymes. And I, you know, I, I joked around that uh, Oprah and Shonda Rhimes might have broken up more black marriages than crack. But it's close, right? So you need black people who say out loud that the struggle is at the community level. And there is no such thing as a black individual success because black individual success is immediately tied to black community success. And so what you're looking at, everything less than that is the Hunger Games. We're about to hit that season where the news is going to be full of like black individuals going to, you know, a bunch of Ivy League schools. That's not success. Because in order to go to those Ivy League schools, the assumption is that they're going to forsake whatever hood they came from. They got out of the projects. Not they demolished their houses and every project is getting, I like everyone's getting a house. Um, so we need to understand success is at the community level. Even individual success only comes as a particular member of a healthy group and not an exceptional member, just a particular member of a healthy group and black people. We are not a healthy group. Most of us, especially black men, you're disposable. And we're not going to be free in America until that changes. And that will not. And if you expect brown immigrants who got here by being elite in their country and like come from their lineage as elite in their country who have already have all of the variegated habits of subjecting other brown people who are lower than to them in their hierarchy um to to like as tools for the elite's will then you're not uh, that the revolution's not going to come from them I'm not saying hate on them necessarily. I'm just saying the revolution's not going to come from them. And unfortunately, like I said, if you watch this, you probably have many Indian and South Asian friends who, and they're going to say like, well, you know, that's xenophobic, that's racist, caste is complicated, he just doesn't understand, that's misogynist. Yeah, you know what? It's a conflict of interest to them because they don't want to admit that they come from trash elitists. But I do, and that's why you should give me five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, because nobody else is gonna call brown, Brahmin, South Asians, 
trash elitists who should be very you should be very suspicious of um except me but i'll do it and i'll do it i'll do it to their face yeah so um so yeah it's like i was telling someone it's like taking southern asking a brahmin about caste and what it means to be elite and uh it's like asking a white southerner about like tell me about southern history you're not going to get the straight story. It's like asking uh, someone from Miami about, like, tell me about communism under Castro. You know, you want, you want to know about communism under Castro? Talk to an old Afro-Cuban who were slaves under Batista, functionally slaves, and Castro-free. And the white Cubans in Miami, they should be happy Castro let them go. I said it. <laughs> so, like, there's a way in which you, we ask the wrong people and then we get a distorted view of reality and we ask and we expect the wrong people to be revolutionaries anybody who considers themselves an exceptional person isn't going to be a revolutionary an exceptional success like i'm exceptional but i'm not a success because no black person can be a success until we are all stable so like i'm exceptional for a few different reasons but i'm not an example of success because success will come with the revolution we haven't had the revolution yet so there's been no Black success. Fred Hampton might have been a successful uh, black person because he was like actually leading the revolution. That's also why he caught a bullet. Same with King. All right. Take you for thank you for your time. I will see you next week. Next week, the show on Fred Hampton. That's what we're doing. Um, if you don't know, now you know. Or you will know. Peace. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me you know with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of in a lot of ways freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on <laughs> and i want to be a free negro so um if you like what i do go to funkyacademic.com and contribute thanks often comes in the form of cash and the site takes credit cards.